Well, as I said at the beginning, Happy New Year. It's the first Sunday that we are back together. And um, it's good to be together here this morning. And the reason why we didn't have a breakout this morning is that I think it's good for us to start the new year together as a church community um, and uh, move forward together um, over this weekend as we go into the weeks ahead. So this morning, um, I want us to have a little look at the book of Judges today, okay? So a book that we might not normally necessarily look at, but it's time for you to flick through and find where Judges is in the Bible. Um, And we're going to look at quite a fascinating um, and intriguing character this morning um, in a man named Samson. Now, you might have heard of Samson because um, if you went through Sunday school, you might have heard the story of Samson um, and Delilah. And that's what we're going to be having a little look at um, this morning. One of the things I think that we can all agree on is that life is full of surprises. Okay, so if you look back over last year and the last, I don't know, year of your life, there will be lots of things that happened that might have taken you by surprise. There's lots of surprises that happen in life. And if you look back over the last year, you will um, have had things that have come up that you completely weren't expecting. Now, some of those things, I hope, were good things. Some of those things were blessings and and great things. And you can look back and say, wow, that amazing thing happened this year, totally by surprise and totally unexpected. And then there are things that we wish we hadn't had as surprises, the unexpected things, maybe the sad things, maybe some tragedy in our lives that we hoped we hadn't had to go through. Or quite honestly, sometimes we have things that are just totally inexplicable that we just think, where did that come from? What happened there? And we wished that we hadn't had to go through it. We have these surprises that come up. And actually, as we stand at the start of this new year, you will have surprises throughout this year too, okay? So be prepared. There will be some times when you wake up one morning and you think a day is going to go one way and things completely change. There are surprises. Over the years, I've also been surprised by people. People surprise me, okay? And I get surprised at how God changes lives. You know, many times I've kind of seen people and they're going on really well with God. You know, they're they're really like committed and they're on fire and they're like excited. And you think this person's got loads of potential. You look at them and you think they've got the potential to do great things and in ministry and to set the world alight and to transform and change the world around them. And then it's like all of a sudden they disappear and they're gone. And you think, that's really disappointing and sad, but it's also surprising. Then there's other people who you might look at, and you think, I'm not sure <laughs> that, that, you know, what's going to happen to them. Do you know what I mean? I know, God, you give gifts and talents to everyone, but did you miss that one? You know, like, really? No, 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 not really, not really. But, you know, like you look at them and you think, like, what on earth? What on earth is going to, you know, this person going to turn out? And then, like, they get you know, the the Holy Spirit, excited, passionate, and they do amazing things. And they do, and you're surprised because all the potential wrapped up in them is incredible. And you see them do great things. And um, I get so excited when I see that because God is using them in an amazing way. 
you know, because the power of God has come on them and it's completely changed them and transformed them. And it's exciting to see them and be surprised by people in that kind of a way. If I look back at my school years, okay, and you can see this in people in school years. If you think about your high school years, and apart from it wasn't high school then, was it? It was secondary school when I was at school. Um, but if you look back at your high school years, and you think, if you think around the, the year group, you could kind of pick out the people, those who were going to have some potential, who were going to do great things, who might go on to university and achieve great things. And then you could kind of see the ones who you thought, actually, I'm not sure that anything's going to happen that with them, you know? Uh, for me, it was the geeks and the nerds, okay? Did you have geeks and nerds in your class? Everyone has geeks with nerds. We call them boffs today. Who would have known that the world would transform into this technological age where we all need a geek in our life, hey? We all need geeks. Well done, geeks, because you've become, like, the most important people, you know? I'm a techno disaster. Martin said to me the other day, I said, Tim, what do I plug these headphones into? And he said to me, what sort of end has it got? Has it got, I don't know, lightning or whatever? And he said something or something jack or something. I said, I don't know, it looks a little bit like a maggot. What does that go into? And he said to me, oh, yeah, that's what that is. It's a, a quarter jack. You know, need these nerds. We all need a geek in our lives, don't we? Um, well, this is the people who surprise us. Sorry, Mark, yeah. <laughs> Mr. Geek over there. Um, we all have surprises to how people turn out. And this is a story about a guy whose kind of life turned out to be a bit of a surprise. Okay, it's a bit of a surprise the way Samson's life turned out. He had everything. God was blessing Samson in the most amazing way. And yet he had an amazing beginning, but a bit of a tragic ending. Okay, and that is how um, I want what I want to look at today and remind us of today as we start this new year can i remind you that only you can decide how you're going to finish this year in your relationship with god and you might say well hang on a moment um you know god decides or the church decides how well i'm being fed or how well i'm being no no only we decide how strong we're going to finish because the De book of Deuteronomy, God says this. Now listen, today I am giving you a choice. He's, God's giving us a choice between life and death, between prosperity and disaster. For I command you this day to love the Lord your God and to keep his commands, decrees and regulations by walking in his ways. If you do this, you will live and multiply, and the Lord your God will bless you and the land you are about to enter and occupy. It's a choice. God gives us the choice. It's our choice to make. God wants us to prosper spiritually. He wants us to do well in our relationship with him. He wants us to have this great relationship with him, but the choice is ours God wants us to make a difference in our world, what your world is around you. But it's up to us. How we decide to live our lives, how we decide to do things, will ultimately determine how it turns out. One of the immense privileges of my job is um, to lead people's funerals or celebrations of life and to sit with a family before 
the service. So to spend time uh, with a family um, in that moment where they're grieving the loss of a loved one is quite a special time um, as we sit together and plan a service. And usually when we sit together, we kind of um, talk about what the tribute will look like and we put in different stories and we chat about different things. Um, and sometimes someone's life is simply summed up in just a tiny paragraph. Just a tiny paragraph. That saddens me so much when we can only get a few sentences. Just a tiny paragraph. But all of us one day will have our lives written about. We'll all have our lives written about. And to be honest, the jobs we had, the possessions we owned, won't really make much difference in that moment. What will matter is the kind of person that you were. Those will be the things that you'll be remembered for. How were you with other people? How did you treat other people? How kind you were? How loving you were? The difference that you made to other people. Those will be the things that will be remembered. What they will remember about you is the kind of person that you were. And Corrie Ten Boom, she, I love Corrie Ten Boom. She always sums up, things up so beautifully. And she said, it's not the duration, but the donation of your life that matters. It's the donation of your life that matters. We all want to live long lives, don't we? We all want a life as long as possible. So all of you quinoa people, that's good. Keep going. Okay, I, you know, I always say quinoa on a menu. That's how bad I am. Um, but if you, you know, all of you kale people, all of you people, you know, keep going because you want to live long lives. We want to live the longest life that we can possibly live. But the bigger issue than length of life is the donation, is what we're giving. What difference is your life making? The impact that your life has on others the impact your life has on those around you. So if we go back to Samson, his story could have been one of the most epic that we read about in all of the Bible. But instead, actually, today, we read a story and we look at a man who actually teaches us about the way not to go, <laughs> the things not to do, um, rather than an epic life. The life of Samson shows how you can have a good beginning, but not necessarily a good ending. And that's why Solomon, he wrote in Ecclesiastes 7, finishing is better than starting. Finishing is better than starting. When I was at school, we used to run the cross country every year, okay? Um, wisdom of teachers. Um, we used to run the cross country, and my teachers were so creative that the cross country was three times running around the school, okay? Whilst they stood there with their cup of coffee shouting at us. Um, it's delightful um, every year. And um, actually, us salmons, we know as a family that we're made to swim, not run, okay? That's what we do. We don't, running doesn't do it for us. Um, so um, I was about year nine, I suppose, and on this particular day, I was awesome, okay, I have to say, um, never been in the first place, but I was amazing, I was first place, I was running the first lap, it was amazing, teacher was cheering me on, run the second lap, I was in first place, amazing, 
I ran the third lap, and I was about 100 meters away from the finish line. And all of a sudden, my legs went into this pile of jelly. That's all I can say is, is that uh, my legs just went beneath me, and I sort of like went flying across the gravel, the tarmac of the playground. Um, I had gravel burn over my face and my knees and my arms and everywhere, and everybody else just ran past me and you know, made it to the finish first, okay? And I was left there in this big mess um, in tears as people ran past me. And you know what? It didn't really matter that I'd been first place for the first two and a half laps. The fact was I didn't finish, okay? I didn't make it to the end. I ended up in a big mess on the, in the gravel on the floor. And just because you start well doesn't mean that we'll finish well. We have to finish well too. It's important about the finishing because if you don't finish effectively, everything else that we've done beforehand has been in vain. Okay, so there's other one, two laps that I'd been in first place, didn't matter really. I didn't finish. I didn't make it to the end. So Samson, in many ways, his life is a bit of a tragic failure, but it's also to remind to us that God gives us second chances. And how grateful are we for second chances, every single one of us, for third chances, fourth chances, fifth chances, the list goes on. Time and time again, we need another chance. So let's learn a few things um, at the start of the new year from this incredible character. Firstly, we know that he had a great beginning. He had a fantastic beginning. He had these superhuman qualities. Physically, no one was stronger than Samson, okay? He was a powerful, strong man. He was kind of like a superhero, okay? Superhero status. Now, there's these strange people in the world, not looking at anyone on the balcony, who are into Marvel films, okay? Um, front row of the balcony. You know, they, they love Marvel. They love all the... Jordan, do you love them? Yeah, <laughs> strange person. Um, we all love these um, kind of superheroes, kind of movies and kind of things. And, uh, and, and they love, you know, watching all these things. Not really, you know, I love all these things really well. Samson was the real deal, okay? He was a real life superhero. When I was a little girl, I was bizarrely really into He-Man. Do you remember He-Man? Okay, and I used to pretend that I was She-Ra, okay? His girlfriend. And uh, I used to be She-Ra and go around fighting all this baddies, okay? And He-Man was the hero and he was strong. It pains me to say that Samson was stronger than He-Man. Um, and the thing is, he was a real guy, He's not some make-belief character like Marvel. Samson was a real guy. And of course, I said to Joe this morning, uh, Joe said to me, what are you speaking about today? And I said, Samson. And he said, the guy with the hair. You know, we talk, think about Samson as the guy with the hair, his strength in his hair. He had long hair, this big, massive, muscular guy with long hair. We know he had long hair simply because he was a Nazarite. And Nazarites, um, what they did was they took a vow to be a Nazarite saying that they wouldn't cut their hair. Okay, It was a sign of their commitment, their devotion to God not to cut their hair. And the power wasn't in the hair itself. What a bizarre little story. The power wasn't in the hair itself. The power was in his commitment to God, which was a symbol by not cutting his hair. But the Bible never says anything actually about him being a muscular, strong man. Um, we think he was 
because of this strength. The Bible tells us that David and Joseph, they were built and they were buff, okay, and they were strong men. But the Bible doesn't tell us about Samson. We're told that Samson's strength came upon him when the Spirit of God came upon him. The Spirit of God came upon him and gave him his strength. And it makes me wonder, all these years that we've been thinking about Samson as this strong man, maybe he was a scrawny little guy but had this long hair and he was really strong when the power of God came upon him. That would be even more amazing, wouldn't it, if we had this little puny guy and he went and the power came upon him. That would be even more amazing. But it doesn't really matter, okay? It doesn't matter if he was massive and buff or if he was tiny and little. The power of God came upon him, and he had this super strength. He was like this superhero. Um, and his hair, his long hair was his symbol of commitment for God. And twen- for 20 years, Samson went undefeated. He saw victory in his life every time he saw Victory. He had victory. He had lived on the thrill and excitement of victory. And you know what? I think this is probably when the cracks started to appear because he became content. He had that contentment that he would always be victorious. He kind of didn't think that he could possibly be defeated because he had always seen victory. And I want us to know this morning that we talk a lot about God, but there's also the reality of the devil. And the devil is evil, and the devil is bad, and the devil is wicked. But there's one thing he is not, and he is not stupid, and he is not daft. He knows how to bring people down. And so he's going to watch for a while, and he'll watch Samson, and he'll look at us, and he'll watch us for a while, and he'll see our area of vulnerability. And he'll see that area of weakness in our life, that thing that just, you know, grips your mind. He'll see that area of vulnerability. He'll recognize your weak spot. So he looked at Samson, and he looked for his vulnerability, and he had a look for his weak spot. And he thought, I can't beat this guy on the battlefield. He's won. He's victorious time and time again. There's no point me using physical strength to beat this guy. This man, Samson, fought with a lion and he ripped the jaws apart. This is what we're talking about, supernatural strength. He had power. He's not going to be beaten on the battlefield. So the devil thought, I know how I'll get this guy. I'll get him in the bedroom. That's how I'll beat him. I'll beat him in the bedroom. I'll sneak in and attack him when he's not thinking about it. And that is how I'm going to hit him. So we're going to read Judges 16 verses starting at verse 4 to start with. Samson and Delilah. Sometime later, Samson fell in love with a woman named Delilah who lived in the Valley of Sorek. The rulers of the Philistines went to her and said, entice Samson to tell you what makes him so strong and how he can be overpowered and tied up securely. Then each of us will give you 1,100 pieces of silver. So Delilah said to Samson, please tell me what makes you so strong and what would it take to tie you up securely? Samson replied, if I were tied up with seven new bowstrings that have not yet been dried, I would become as weak as anyone else. So the Philistine rulers brought Delilah seven new bowstrings, and she tied up Samson with them. She had hidden some men in one of the inner rooms of her house, and she cried out, Samson, the Philistines have come to capture you. But Samson snapped the bowstrings as a piece of string snaps when it's burnt by fire. So the secret of his strength was not discovered. 
Point number one is that he had a great beginning. Point number two is that temptation is always attractive. Okay, it's always appealing and it's always attractive to us. I'm sure that Delilah was a very attractive woman. Okay, I'm sure they didn't pick some kind of rough woman, sorry, apologies, a rough old bird, you know, <laughs> rough woman to kind of appeal to Samson. I'm sure she's very attractive. I'm sure she's very beautiful. I'm sure she's very enticing, very alluring. Okay, um, I'm sure that's the type of woman, type of girl that she was. Temptation is appealing, and that's how temptation comes to us, and that's how temptation came to Samson. Remember in the Garden of Eden, there we have Adam and Eve, okay, and we have this tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And God says, you can eat from any tree in the garden, but you cannot eat from that one. Do not eat from that tree, okay? And there's this piece of fruit on that tree, and it's so appealing, and it's enticing, and it looks beautiful, and they're drawn to it. And it's like saying, eat me, eat me, eat me, okay? And they're drawn to it. And the devil really knows that we like eye candy. We like things that look nice. If we, something doesn't look appealing, we're not drawn to it. But we were really drawn to this. They were drawn to it. And he knew it was appealing. And so he says, does he really say you can't eat that fruit? And Eve's right there. And she takes a bite of that fruit. And here's the same thing with Delilah. Here's the same thing with Delilah. She's an attractive girl. She looks beautiful. She's shining. She's dancing. She's got her own theme tune. She's amazing, okay? She's there. And Samson, he's there and he's got this desire. And here is the thing about temptation. It doesn't just happen. There has to be a desire on our part too. There has to be that desire for us. Point, point number three is for temptation to succeed, we have to be a willing participant. Sometimes people say, you know, it's the devil, he tempted me to do it. Oh, really? Oh, really? He made you do it? He might have tempted us, but I don't really know about that. He might have tempted us, yes, but there needs to be cooperation with that temptation. We need to be willing. We need to have that bit of eye candy that's kind of caught our attraction. Something in us saying, oh, I'd like that. It's caught me. It's tempted me. It's brought me in. So the devil comes with this temptation. And Samson kind of sorts to, if you want to say it, nibble at the fruit. He starts to try it and give, um, you know, and get together with Delilah and to give Delilah, some credit here. Her name, Delilah, means delicate. Means delicate. So we've got this gentle, delicate young woman. This strong, maybe, muscular or scrawny little man. Okay? Here they are together. And he's probably thinking, I'm all powerful. I'm like a superhero. What is this delicate little woman going to do to me? How can she harm me? Is she going to bind me up? Is she going to overpower me? No way. I'm so strong. I'm so powerful. Verse 6, so Delilah said to Samson, please tell me what makes you so strong and what it would take to tie you up securely. She told him what she was planning to do. For goodness sake. She told him here. Wow. And that brings us to the most profound thing that I want us to remember this morning, that sin and temptation makes us do stupid things. Okay? Can you imagine meeting someone, getting in a relationship? I meet a guy 
And I, he says to me, hey, you know, do you want to go out? What, what can I do to harm you and hurt you the most? Wow, this is the guy I want to be with. He's going to hurt me. He's going to harm me. He's going to bring destruction. You wouldn't do it. You would run. You'd go away here. You would say, this isn't a healthy relationship. Would I carry on with this conversation? No, I'd walk away. But here we see Samson so drawn in by Delilah. He's drawn in, he's tempted by Delilah. And the reason he probably thought he could handle it was because he was so strong and so powerful in other areas. And the Bible tells us that pride goes before a fall. Pride goes before a fall. And you know, the sad thing is that nearly 99% of the time when we're tempted to do something, we know we shouldn't, that the root of the problem is pride because we say, I'd never do that thing. I, that would never get me. That thing will never get me. I'll never fall in that way. We need to be careful. We need to be careful when we say things like, that's not a problem for me. Because pride comes before a fall. So Samson thought he could handle it. He thought, I can overcome this. I'm powerful. I'm strong. What can this little Delilah do to me? What can happen here? Point number four, when we start to compromise what we know is right, when we start to compromise on what we know is right, then it makes us vulnerable. If Samson hadn't had this sinful relationship with Delilah to begin with, they wouldn't have been in this mess. And this is usually how people fall. You think you can handle it. You'd get drawn in by one little thing. And you think, I can handle that. I can handle that. And then before you know it, it has snowballed into something so huge. It is way out of your control. And now we come to the sad twist in the story. Judges 16, let's read from verse 15. Then Delilah pouted. The Bible uses the word pout. <laughs> she pouted, uh-oh. You know there's trouble when a girl starts to pout, okay? Guys, look out, okay? When a woman pouts at you, there's trouble. How can you tell me I love you? When you don't share your secrets with me, you've made fun of me three times now and you still haven't told you me what makes you so strong. So she tormented him with her nagging. Day after day after day after day after day after day until he was sick to death of it. Finally, Samson shared his secret with her. My hair has never been cut, he confessed. For I was dedicated to God as a Nazarite from birth. If my head were shaved, my strength would leave me and I would become as weak as anyone else. Delilah realized he had finally told her the truth. So she sent for the Philistine rulers. Come back one more time, she said, for he has finally told me his secret. So the Philistine rulers returned with the money in their hands. Delilah lulled Samson to sleep with his head in her lap. And then she called in a man to shave off the seven locks of hair. In this way, she began to bring him down and his strength left him. Then she cried out, Samson, the Philistines have come to capture you. When he woke, he thought, I will do as before and shake myself free. And here's the saddest verse in this passage. But he didn't realize the Lord had left him. What a powerful verse. He didn't realize that God had left him. 
So the Philistines captured him and gouged out his eyes. They took him to Gaza, where he was bound with bronze chains, chains and forced to grind grain in the prison. Wow, what a sad story of Samson who'd been running the race and he fell so hard, so hard. In fact, he fell so hard, it looked like he would never get up again. But again, he set the scene for his own fall in his compromising. You know, anyone who asks you to compromise your faith is not someone to have a relationship with. And I'm speaking to everyone, but particularly the young people here. If a guy or a girl says to you, prove how much you love me by going all the way, can I say to you, get out of that relationship immediately. That is not how we prove love to one another. Or if you love me, you'll cover for me. If you love me, you'll just keep this lie or you'll just say this thing or do this to protect me. Whatever it may be, run from those things. Don't compromise what you know to be good and you know to be true. So basically, she's lulling him into this relationship, okay? And how shocking that he was prepared to let his guard down and be so vulnerable by falling asleep in her lap. He let his guard down. He was vulnerable. And the Bible asks, can a man take fire into his heart and not be burned? If I just do that little thing, it won't matter. And then before we know it, it's out of control. That little thing turns into one more thing, turns into a bigger thing. And before we know it, the whole thing is on fire. And we're standing there looking at this thing, thinking, how did I get here? How did I get into this mess? It was just one little spark that set the whole thing off. And suddenly it's out of control. So what do I feel that God wants to challenge us on for the new year ahead? Where, do I, where are we going to land this today? Firstly, Samson was a man who started well. He started well. And if that's you and you're at the beginning of your journey, can I tell you, keep going. Keep going. You're in a great place. Keep your faith alive. Keep coming to church. Keep being with people who surround you. This is the best place you can be. Keep this commitment. Be with others who are going to build you up, who are going to encourage you, who are going to keep running. You know, I, when I fell on the floor and I ran, everyone ran over me and ran past me, you know, that's not what we should be in the church. We should pick each other up and take each other across the finish line. That's what we do because we want to support and encourage each other. Keep going. Keep going. We want to support you. We want to pray for you. You're in the right place. Don't wander off. Don't wander away. We want to support and encourage you. Secondly, I strongly believe that God is calling us this year to faithfulness. To faithfulness. Faithfulness is so lacking in our world today. You know, we pick things up, put things down so quickly. We're not very faithful in things anymore. And we need to be faithful. We need to be faithful in the small things, faithful in the big things, faithful to our families, faithful to our friends, faithful to our church family. We need to be faithful. We need to be committed. We need to be faithful people, faithful to our ministries what God has called us to. Let's get really committed to those things this year. Let's throw ourselves in. Let's get really involved. Let's be faithful to those things. 
Faithfulness is really important. We're just at the start of our journey as a church. We've just started with inviting people in and seeing people come in. And and the initial buzz will start to, to sort of fade. But that's when we need to dig deeper. We need to dig deeper. And we need to be faithful and keep going and keep committed and keep pushing on, believing that God has more for us. We need faithfulness and commitment. And finally, I think there might be some of us who feel recently like, we, like we've literally had our hair cut off, okay? Like it's been us, that we've lost our connection with God because we know it's our own fault because we've wandered off. We've done things, we've been tempted, we've just had that little spark or maybe we've just, just at the moment, it's just a little spark. Others of us might feel like things have gone completely out of control, And we need to um, just come back to God again. You know the verse I love in this chapter? It's the final one. We haven't read it yet. Verse 22, it says this, But before long, his hair began to grow back. God is the God who restores. He's the God of second chances. Even if we're in a mess, even if things look bleak, God, we can come back to God. And he restores us and makes us new. And this year, I believe that God is looking for faithfulness and holiness. He's looking for faithfulness and holiness. No one can do it for us, but it's our choice. I want to read this verse to you again. Now listen, today I'm giving you a choice. I'm giving you a choice between life and death, between prosperity and disaster. For I command you this day, to love the Lord your God and to keep his commands, decrees and regulations by walking in his ways. If you do this, you will live and multiply and the Lord your God will bless you and the land you are about to enter and occupy. Today, I am giving you a choice. What choice are we going to make today? Are we choosing life and life in abundance? Or are we choosing death 